You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. been gone. Things have gotten much worse. How do you think I came back? You're in no shape for this fight that lies before us, old friend. This is personal. Very few of us know about the wars fought in the shadows that have raged on this planet. Do you feel responsible? Where are the Avengers? This war is one I have to fight alone. man on the planet. You don't know what they have planned for you. The Great Neck Fury. Greetings, Avengers, and welcome to another episode of the Air Station One podcast. It's time for another Marvel review, and we are looking at Secret Invasion, the new miniseries by the fine folks at the MCU. And it's a mixed bag on this one, folks. I've heard good. I've heard bad. Well, more focused on the bad, but it'll be very interesting to have some very opinionated views by some fine folks here on the show. It's going to be spoilerific, so if you haven't watched it yet, thank God, or in some cases, you will be spoiled. So, folks, let's go ahead and review this one. Got a great crew for it. JD is out of the airlock. Welcome, sir. Hello. Good to have you, my friend. And Jenny Green is back. Hello again. Oh, well, you know, you're glutton for punishment. You came back for a <laughs> second episode. This is good. This is really yeah. And, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, the guy with the eye patch, is here. Howdy. How are you, sir? I uh, only wore an eye patch in my pirate days. Or too much time at uh, Trader Vic's? Sure. Okay. That's good. So, folks, let's jump in with both feet. And let's go see what we got with the secret invasion. The scrolls are everywhere. Which one of us are real? Which one are not? It'll be fun to find out. Yeah, and as Mike pointed out, uh, this one has gotten some uh, some some mixed reviews to say to be kind, really, on that one. 
I, I guess we'll just get started um, with uh, with you, Jenny. What do you what, what were you expecting? What did you had heard? What were your thoughts going into Secret Invasion? You know, I hadn't really heard too too much before I finally started watching. I did a little bit more of a binge as opposed to watching uh, through, which I tend to do. Um, I've had definitely heard not details, but kind of a mixed bag of opinions about it. Uh, did get one good spoiler before I got <laughs> to actually watching it, which was kind of the big one, but uh, didn't take anything away from it for me. Uh, if anything, it made me kind of watch it with a more critical eye, which I liked. Um, but yeah. Now, um, what is your experience like with the MCU as a whole? Is this was this something that you were like I said? Um, uh, this storyline, these characters, were these something that you look forward to as far as watching, you know, Nick Fury and company or? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I definitely love Nick Fury. I was excited to know about Maria Hill coming back. I happen to really love that character. Um, and then um, more than anything, just in terms of casting, I was really excited about Amelia Clark. I tend to really like the things that she does. Um, so ahead of it, just the characters coming into it, I was all about and casting as well. So excited in that front. Gotcha. Gotcha. And for those of us, for those of you watching, um, and listening, uh, we will be spoiling, uh, the events of all of Secret Evasion from the first to the last episode. So, uh, if you do not wish to be spoiled for the show, um, please, uh, tune out now and, uh, watch it and then come back because we're going to do a deep dive or as deep as we can anyway. Uh, JD, what about you? What, um, what, I mean, I know you are a big MCU guy, but what, how did you feel about this show going in? Well, I don't tend to set a lot of expectations before these shows because I watched the trailer and I know they're only showing bits and pieces of a couple of episodes. So I never form an opinion based on that. Um, but I, I was a little biased for this one in the first place because Nick Fury, I did not become an Avengers fan until I read the Ultimates comics back in the early 2000s. And in the Ultimate Universe, Nick Fury looked a lot like Samuel L. Jackson. And the artist did that on purpose. But they didn't have permission at first, so Samuel L. Jackson was a little taken aback, but then he gave it his blessing because he thought he was just badass to be the face of a comic book. But so when he showed up in Iron Man 2008 as Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson is my favorite actor of all time, who became one of my fa- who who ended up playing one of my favorite characters. So. I was a little biased going into this one mm-hmm. in Iron Man 2008 when he popped up in the after the in the credits thing. I I I jumped out of my seat. I was I was like, oh my god, they did it! They actually did something that I had not, I never would have guessed. So since then, I've been on board with Nick Fury of the MCU. He's I'm a huge fan of the character, all the appearances. I got geeked out. I got when he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple of times. Um, So 
when this was announced as a Sacred Invasion Disney Plus show starring Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, I was anticipating it from then on, but I'm biased. So going into it, though, I didn't have any expectations. I know there was a comic book where the storyline was called Secret Invasion. Mm. I don't think I read it, but I know enough about it to know that this wasn't that. It wasn't replicating that or even connected at all aside of scroll infiltration. So I didn't really have any expectations, but when I started watching it, I didn't know what I was in for, but I know I was looking forward to it. And I didn't experience a lot of the disappointments across the spectrum people did, but in this first episode, oh, yeah, that kind of hurt. So, <laughs> Yeah, 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 we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Mike, overall, uh, what were your expectations going in? Because I knew, I know that you had familiar with the comic, right? Oh, of course. I read the comics when they came out, and like JD, I also knew of the ultimate version of Nick Fury and... I think Sam Jackson, you know, relished that role. It's one of his favorite roles. He's come out and said it multiple times that he loves playing Nick Fury. He said that he would love to do that, you know, almost for every role he's doing. And it's interesting to see, you know, you know, Sam Jackson is almost 80 years old now. And, you know, and it's hard for him probably to do action scenes and you know stuff like that and so when i found out this was going to be more of a spy thriller and you know because they came out almost right away saying oh there's not going to be any avengers in this there's not going to be a ton of superheroes and it was more of you know the scrolls are trying to take over and fury has to take it take you know take it on and it was interesting to see that and I like uh, Jenny. I binged it. I didn't watch it week by week by week. I think I would have been a little more let down week by week by week if I watched it that way. It actually worked better as a binge show. And I liked seeing, you know, Amelia Clark. I liked seeing, you know, some Ben Mendelstein is just awesome. He is, he was one of the, the shining lights in this for me. And, you know, I did love seeing, you know, of course, you know, it was neat to see, you know, you know, some of the other folks and, you know, you also, the, my favorite of course was Olivia Coleman. She was just awesome. And, you know, I think, you know, a certain actor playing roadie was having a little fun too, being the mustache tw- twirling, uh, you know, villain and stuff. And, you know, I've heard uh, another podcast refer to him as, uh, was it Srody instead of, uh, Rody. So, you know, cause he goes to mm. the whole time. And it was, it was interesting to see. Uh, but Don Cheadle was having fun and you could tell some of the actors were having fun with this role and the roles they were playing. And, you know, Kingsley was pretty awesome. And, you know, as the the big bad in this and he plays a scary villain, he plays an awesome villain. And it was weird watching him on this and then watching him in Barbie last week and seeing him as one of the Kens. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. So that's that's got to be an interesting 
mm-hmm. juxtaposition there. Oh, absolutely. Big time. Big time. So was I completely disappointed with it? No. I there's things I liked about it. I liked some of the groundwork and stuff. As most Marvel things, it lays the groundwork for future projects. But there was also a lot I didn't like, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will. Look, I still think that uh, Marvel still is, uh, you know, I don't need to see trailers. I don't need to see, I just tell me where and when, you know, as far as a Marvel project goes. Um, you know, granted, <clears throat> there's been there's been some, you know, leeway here and there as far as how great or good it is, but... I, I have felt I have not been, you know, hugely disappointed by anything that Marvel or Disney Marvel and Marvel MCU has produced. Um, I was familiar with the comic and I did not like the comic. And so but I knew that this was going to be a different take on it. Again, like Mike said, this was going to be more espionage, which is, you know, kind of cool because the last time that the MCU went all spy espionage. It was, uh, it was the Winter Soldier story movie and that was brilliant. So I wasn't expecting brilliant, but I think like you, JD, I was really, I like watching, uh, Samuel Jackson. And even though he's been in a lot of MCU things, he's never really had anything focus on him. I think the closest he's never one been was, the star. You're right. He's had a clo- big role in some stuff, but he has never been at the, at the center, he's always cl- been listed in the cast as and Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, which is cool because actors tend to feel that's an honor to be that part. But this is the first I think time that's that more of an agent thing, really, up front <laughs> in the credits. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I think uh, I think his biggest part, probably his biggest role, was in Captain Marvel, which of course this does have. Uh, you know, this Captain Marvel is a lead into this, uh, in a lot of ways. Oh, um, yes, it is. Captain Marvel, I think, fooled a lot of us comic fans because Captain Marvel came right out and said, Hey, the Skrulls are good people, not evil, bad villains. And that was a big surprise to all of us who've been reading about Skrulls in the comics for God, 50 years or whatever it's been. Well, uh, so. But to twist it around to say like, oh, now they are the bad guys in this. I'm like, okay, well, they're going to have to do some, you know, some move some balls around and, and kind of just change things up a little bit. And they do to a, to an extent. Uh, as far as the series itself goes, I was never bored. Um, the storyline is probably one, it was probably not its biggest strength. I think its biggest strength, as Mike kind of pointed out, was the actors that they got in this, the cast, and a lot of the one-on-one scenes. Like whenever Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn were on screen together, I was riveted. Whenever um, Amelia Clark and, uh, Kingsley Benadir were, were uh, together, like I, that, I was riveted. Uh, Olivia Coleman and anybody, I was riveted. <laughs> uh, I mean, if Olivia Coleman's not stealing the show, why is she even in it? Right? Like she always does a great job. She's always fun to watch. And, and she was amazing in this as well. Uh, the scenes between Samuel Jackson and Don Cheadle were really fun as well. Like I, I liked a lot of the one on one scenes that I saw in this. Um, I'm not sure that the everything that was put together as well as it could be, certainly as a 
in between, you know, movie between, uh, you know, Captain Marvel and the Marvels. I don't think this serves either one of them very well. Um, however, like I said, I wasn't bored. The climactic scene with the two Super Scrolls, I thought was a lot of fun. I, I really, uh, it was fun guessing which powers they were using at what time. Um, so I, I did like that. And Super Scrolls, you know, if you, I'm not a huge Marvel zombie, but come on, Super Scrolls. I mean, who, who hasn't wanted to see Super Scrolls on screen forever? You know, that's amazing thing that we're getting. So I thought that was pretty incredible. I, I thought this was overall better than the comic series, which, you know, not a huge bar there. But um, a low, I low do, bar, my friend. I, I do see that it's getting a lot of hate, and and it does seem like MCU bashing is pretty much in right now. And whether or not that's warranted or not, I don't. I'm not going to judge. I'm just you know, it is like not, they, and I find it highly <laughs> irritating. People like um, what they're going to like. I mean, it's. I mean, look, I've been dealing with. I've been you know, a DCU bashing for like the last twenty years. It feels like so. You know. MCU, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I don't have a problem with people expressing their opinion, even if it is hate. My problem is that I keep, I keep going against my own advice of never read the comments. Yeah, I keep comments. falling down that rabbit hole. Of this, and then of this, I climb out of the rabbit hole, irritated at how much these things that I enjoy get get crapped on, and I'm like, it's my own fault. I. Don't read the. I read the comments. So oh, well, I, you know. I, look, I, save yourself some trouble when this air, when we post this. Don't read the comments. Um, we appreciate everybody's feedback, but we don't read the comments. Jenny, let's uh, let's go back to you for a second. What's something about the series, good or bad, that that uh, really resonated with you? I enjoyed. I think seeing a quote unquote softer side to Nick Fury. Um, I really enjoyed those scenes a lot. Um, even though they were softer, it, it wasn't um, so soft and so vulnerable. It was just, like, to me, this really beautiful mix of kind of the, the strength that we expect from Nick Fury, but also a little bit of softness and vulnerability. Um, and I think that's kind of really you long for that in a character that comes across as just as masculine and as strong and as, you know, as Nick Fury is. Um, so for me, I think that was the really big highlight. And also just the little, the, the little, you know, um, Everett Ross, just that little, you know, that drop, mm -hmm. the Maria Hill of it all. Those just kind of little blasts from the past um, were like kind of the second secondary thing for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I get what you're saying, and it is interesting. We're seeing a broken fury, um, yeah. and that is kind of interesting. That's not something we're used to seeing because, as is pointed out almost in every episode of the series, he's usually 10 steps ahead of everybody. We and in this one, he's falling behind uh, until the very end, um, really. The, the MCU hasn't done a fantastic job of addressing people post-blip. We talked about it, you know, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, fantastic job of it that was kind of the entire premise of it mm -hmm. but to now focus on another part of that which him and how he came back from that and how you know people you know may not have always seen the hurt and the pain of people after that so I think it was an interesting way like we keep glossing over that in MCU projects and I think that that really tied into that well 
Yeah, interesting, interesting, and 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 sort of revere, uh, revealing that even right before the blip, he was at a crossroads. Uh, he was going through some stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, as a character piece for Fury, I think uh, Jackson had a lot to work with. Um, like I said, I'm not sure it was completely resolved or handled every everywhere uh, very well. But I did, like I said, whenever he was talking to somebody. I was listening. Uh, I do think his relationship with his, uh, we find out that's his wife. Is that right? It's his wife. Um, uh, and that was played. Was that Charlene Woodward? Is that, is that right? The yeah. actress name, I think uh, she was, I thought she was amazing. And I thought it was, a. it was, you know, a good move or an interesting move to have him, uh, you know, married to, or in love with a, a scroll, which I don't know if, you know, the fury that we were introduced to 2008, you know, all that, uh, even in Captain Marvel, we would have saw that coming. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I want to, you mentioned at the very end of that too, uh, Maria Hill, and I guess we really need to address that because that happens pretty much right away. I think everybody, someone dies. I'm putting air quotes there. Uh, someone dies almost in every, at the end of almost every episode here, but hers, uh, is, uh, hers last. Hers is a real deal. Um, any, any thoughts on, on how that was handled? <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Uh-huh. I just, I feel, I feel, I mean, so I think the death works. I just feel like it's a giant waste of Colby Sm- uh, Smulders to bring her back and kill her off so fast. Mm-hmm. She, to me, has just been such an excellent part of the MCU and just in, in perfect places. And maybe this was her perfect place. Um, I get the why of it. I just, I, I would have liked more of her. I, I do. I'll never want less Maria Hill. Yeah. Would have yeah, been more powerful actually if she would have made it to like the third episode or something like that instead of I at the end of the don't, first. I don't have a lot of complaints about this movie, but I sure do. One of them is certainly is Maria Hill. They fridged her. There was yes. no reason for it. Yep. There was no reason to kill her then, and the way it happened. I don't, when she wasn't a scroll, when she hit the ground, I gasped because we had already seen it with Martin Freeman earlier. He was a scroll. Mm-hmm. And even though I wasn't expect, I wasn't sure that I should expect a scroll, I was hoping. I do agree that if they had to kill her off, it should have been later in this series. She should have gone out better. I mean, I understand she's a spy. And if you watch enough spy movies, you think, you know what? This probably is how it happens in real life. But they wasted Kobe Smulders. I don't, like I said, I don't have many complaints about this show. But they screwed up with Maria Hill. Yeah, the fact that such a such a character that we've come to appreciate the way she goes out not only being frizzed as you so well put it and that's you know the MCU has had some difficulty handling some of their female characters 
recently. And uh, the fact that her last image is that she sees Fury doing it. Now, whether or not she actually believes that it's Fury doing it or not, still, like, I feel like that character does not deserve that ending. Um, and it's it's actually really mean of mean spirited of the writers to put her through that for no apparent reason other than to quote unquote motivate somebody who should already be motivated for getting the bad guy like it's not like it added any sort of extra like oh now i really want to get him like no no it's i mean it's just like it didn't really add anything um and you easily could have come up with better leverage against mm -hmm. fury than absolutely and i think it was killing maria hill I think it was the third episode. I think where it looks like it, it you know, it, we're led to believe that Gaia dies um, as well. And my first thought was like, wow, that was a bold move. And then my second thought was like, oh man, that's like double fridging. Like, 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 mm -hmm. like, what are you guys doing? And then it turns out to be not, you know, not happening. And I don't know if I was happy with that or not, to be honest with you, because it just seems like, I mean, the, the problem with stories like this is that, anybody can be a scroll right so it's hard to get invested and to care about any particular character because you know at some point they that somebody's going to be revealed as a, a scroll and you're going to be like oh my god and to me i don't think they played that shell game very well as far as who is and who isn't you know i think I think we kind of all knew Rhodey was uh that was pretty apparent even before it was revealed and and none of it really was handled, I think, in a great way. And I'm like, that's the that's the gimmick of this show. You can do that, and I don't think they did it very well. Um, well, to be fair with Gaia, we knew ahead of time she was a scroll, so true. that wasn't a surprise. No, um, I don't think I, it was supposed I, to be. When when she when she supposedly died in episode three, I didn't. I didn't, ex I, I figured she was up to something because we had seen her already as a double agent on both sides. I figured she probably had a plan in place, was not expecting the solution to be what actually happened, but I figured she would have been wearing something or I figured it was a fake out death when it happened because it would have been really weird to introduce Amelia Clark only to have her show up for two episodes, play a wishy-washy character, and then go out. When, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I guess they didn't really buy it for that, but I was kind of annoyed that they killed off Talos' wife off screen. Mm -hmm. The last time we saw her was Spider-Man Far From Home. Exactly. And then she's just dead a couple years later. You know, somebody said something before about the blip and the way they've handled it in the MCU since. They haven't. I agree. They, there's, I love when these shows answer a question of did some, did so and so disappear because we didn't see it? And I love, I love finding that out. I really wish that there was that more of that could have been addressed in some of the, I don't know, other movies that came out.
Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, get back to um, Secret Invasion. Um, Matt, uh, Mike, what about you? What is something that about it that resonated with you? I liked, you know, like you said, you learned more about Fury in this than you did anywhere else in any of the Marvel movies. And it was interesting to see that, you know, he, in a lot of ways, he's a huge prick. And he, you know, he's the typical spy. He can't let, you know, his outer emotions be shown. Everything was kept inside. And, you know, he came back to Earth as a beaten man. And you had, he had to almost, enduring this, it was like he had to find his swagger again and find himself. And I, he had to sacrifice a lot in the series to do it. And that's, some of the interesting things about it and you know did i like it did i like his character he was okay and everything it wasn't exactly i think they went on a little bit too much with that and you know i think maybe by episode four or five he should have been the kick-ass fury that we got at the very end and that were that we had seen in the other movies but you know i just I liked seeing his interaction with all the different characters. I loved his interaction with Olivia Coleman. Any scene with Olivia Coleman was just awesome. She is not somebody you mess around with at all. The well, scene- like Mike said, Olivia Coleman and anybody in those scenes, I don't know who that actress is. I don't know her from anything as far as I, I, I don't know. But she was a delightful addition to this show. She takes nothing from anybody. No, she's and, been in so she's even being she's been Queen Elizabeth in the crown. And her, oh, I've never watched that. And um, you know, she you, um isn't she didn't she win an Oscar? Yes, she did. Yeah, she's Oscar winner. She's done a ton of stuff. Yes, she well, is. she probably had, but I don't she didn't really register with me. Oh, that's but, cool. That's cool. That's okay. Well, well I, I bet if I see her in other stuff, I'll probably realize. But oh yeah, she was great. She's I don't awesome. know who that character is, but I hope that she's back in the MCU later on after this. You know, I would love to see some sort of, you know, some sort of battle between her and what she's doing and Julie Louise Dreyfus and what she's doing. Like, oh! you put those two powerhouses together and I'm, I mean, that's a show I'll watch. Well, uh, it's very interesting show because, watch. you know, where they ended her character at the end of the show. And, you know, from what they were saying, you know, what they're building towards, because they're building for the on the UK side towards with Captain Britain. And they're also looking at building into an Excalibur type group of heroes. Possibly. I mean, we don't know. I mean, I mean, sure, that could happen. But Mm -hmm. the only thing that we have to go on is a Blade movie, which just keeps falling on its face. Uh, They've already rewritten Blade and. They're like not several anything. times. They're not. I mean, even, I don't know the why they can't get. Is they're not doing anything with the black anybody in it. Oh, so. what if, what if Olivia Coleman's character is in the Thunderbolts movie? Because we know uh, the contestants there. So, what if she's Olivia Coleman's mm-hmm. good guy counterpart? It would be pretty amazing, like I said, to see those two uh, actresses and characters go uh, at each other. That would be great. Um, be kind of funny, I, though, I, if you I, saw that the Contessa, though, was 
really a scroll still? Well, I mean, sure, but I, I don't know. I mean, have, I think they played that card out, to be honest with you. And I don't Christmas know if it's really that. Oh, absolutely. But nobody yeah. wants to see him. No, uh, I think after this, I think the, the word scroll, I think uh, MCU people are going to be like, yeah, let's not do. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Marvels, right? I mean, I don't know if it's going to address any of that or not. Um, but to your point, Mike, uh, regarding this series, um, yes, it is cool to get a spotlight on Samuel Jackson and Nick Fury. For the first time, he actually gets a theme song. Like, he's been with the MCU for years, and now he finally gets a music cue. That's great. Although, you could argue whether or not you really like the music. Um, I, I I don't know, however, the way that this series ended, you know, we get Fury finally admitting that, yes, he failed. He did not, you know, they couldn't find a planet. They They failed the Skrulls, you know, and this is partially his fault. And yet it's not really Fury that gets we get that from. It's actually Gaia in Fury's skin. So we don't actually get that any sort of remorse or anything like that from Fury himself. Instead, he just goes back into space, even though Earth is still in maybe even more chaos than it was in the beginning of this series. Oh, big time. He, he <laughs> and he's like, peace out. Like, you know. He basically, like, you know, ignited a war between the humans and the scrolls. Now they're taking, you know, the, the humans are going completely vigilante. And, you know, anyone they suspect of being scrolls, they, they're going out and shooting. And, and most of the scrolls okay. that are left are not the ones that were the problem. No. Not at all. So, I mean, now, you know, the U.S. is, and it's sort of, I think they wanted to have that kind of ending maybe because, you know, the comic series ended with uh, Norman Osborn as president doing a lot of uh, bad things and starting another thing and whatever. And I didn't like that ending there. And I certainly am not really impressed. I didn't think they really built up to that as well um, here. So what else? uh about this series in particular um did you like or not care for jenny is it weird to say that i loved the intro it was too long like the literally it, this is such a weird thing but it was beautiful um okay. and that, I, that got a lot of backlash so i'm interested i'm curious to hear you say that because it was that too got long. Shit, like I, it was it, it was really bad timing it right? does not need to be that long. <laughs> I think if you wanted to do that super long intro, do it in the first episode and then do a shortened version. But it was visually gorgeous. And I'm a photographer. So when I when I consume media, I'm always like the the beautifulness of things pops out at me. Um, the first time I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful. And then the second episode, I'm like, skip because it's so long it almost starts to lose you just getting into the episode mm -hmm. um but it was just something i i thought would be worth bringing up because it, it is it's stunning oh um, yeah and it's interesting yeah it's definitely worth bringing up because a lot of people brought it up right in the beginning because it, like i said it was bad timing because as the strikes were happening all of a sudden we get this title opening title sequence that uses that was created using ai as an art um, now, granted, it was not, I mean, they were still paying artists to make it. 
It just was they were using AI as a tool. So it wasn't as as if the MCU was replacing anybody by mm-hmm. doing this, but yet it was just bad PR. Those are the um, places where PR. I feel like if the industry is going to use AI, though, that's you're not they like you said they still there were still artists employed in making that absolutely. Like if you're going to use AI, that that is probably the most acceptable way of doing it. Um, so and the yeah, producer I mean, said they their point was that they wanted to create something that was unnerving. Yeah. That was that didn't feel quite human uh, because of the theme of the ser- series and everything like that. And I think to that extent it worked. To be honest with you, I I thought it was fine. I did not, um, you know, uh, get out the torches and want to burn any the yeah, MCU I- down or whatever. But uh, like I said, it was a it was a bad PR move, um, bad timing, uh, really. And I, you know, I don't know, even if they even though the producers and everybody, you know, kind of explain themselves. I don't know if anybody at that point was willing to listen to them at that point. So it just yeah. it was not uh, a good move. So I, I, I mean, on their part. Yeah, I can. Uh, the other thing I think the only other thing question, genuine question, mm-hmm. the series has left in my mind. And it's such a throwaway question. Um, but how long has Ross been a scroll? Uh, how long? How long has Everett Ross been a scroll? And oh, I think of that because of do we did we get that in there? No, we we when when everybody was kind of waking up, they all just kind of did their thing, and so we don't know how long Rhodey was a scroll. We don't. There, we can kind of guess because he's still having a hard time walking. Well, the so director, we can, the director, the director has come out and said when that. Yeah, happened. but that, but he also said that could change. <laughs> but the Ross thing of it all, the Ross thing of it all, I'm just like because Ross is that like interesting connection to Wakanda, and we've always thought of Wakanda kind of as this safe bubble, like you know. And I'm going, hey, did the scrolls get into Wakanda? And I don't know why. That's something that makes me go, holy crap, but it does. There are, we, we've we heard that there are about a million scrolls on the planet. So I imagine they're everywhere. The look on um, Jackson's face when, when, and, when he, they said, oh, there's, a, there's about a million of them on Earth. It's like, it's what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, this is Disney Plus, so I can't say what I want to say, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, that's what I, I felt like. I mean, even though I did feel like Samuel Jackson got away with a few things there, but uh, that were colorful. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we'll know. It's a good question. Um, my guess is right now that he was taken after the, after the events of what happened in uh, uh, what kind of forever. Um, I could be, you know, I mean, cause uh, he's kind of, liberated at the end of that movie if i'm not mistaken but i don't think we see him after that so who liberated him etc etc we i don't know if we we know the answers to that we might but i i yeah i don't know i mean i don't know if it makes any difference really to me because (laughs) it doesn't like he did it's not like in the last time we saw him he did anything that was not ross like (laughs) fair fair i i didn't give that any consideration how long has ross been the scroll but now that you say that, 
if he was replaced after the events of Wakanda Forever, because isn't that where we find out that that the Contessa is his ex-wife and they don't like each other? Yeah. Um, it's possible that if he became a scroll after that movie, it's because maybe she volunteered him without no without his knowledge that oh you 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 need to replace somebody hey replace that guy never mentioning that oh he that's my ex-husband and he's a jackass i could see her doing something like that sure sure that would that would be that would be kind of fun um and to your point too i think then you pointed this out too i mean it's cool seeing martin freeman uh especially that opening sequence with him it's such a short scene and I can't remember the name of the actor who he's working out with, but it's still, it's just a fun sequence. And right off the bat, I was like, wow, this series is going to be kind of fun. Um, and like I said, I really like the performances and the one-on-ones with all these actors, but I will say that the overall storyline and especially getting us from, you know, any sort of, like a lot of these series, my understanding was that either they were supposed to stand on their own, which is fine, or they were also, I mean, going to be lead-ins to movies. And to be honest with you, I think, I think the MCU has been done a terrible job at having most of these series, even the really good ones like Loki, WandaVision. I think they've been terrible lead-ins to movies. Heck, I mean, Sam Raimi said he didn't even, he never even watched or cared about WandaVision when he made Doctor Strange. I mean, like, how is that, how is that, you know, working together as a, on a combined universe? How is that helping anybody? And uh, I feel like Secret Invasion is kind of just going to be left, uh, just flapping in the wind like that. JD, what's something else about this series that uh, resonated with you? Well, I like, I like that we get, honestly, I like to, I don't have a problem with, I never had a problem with the change for the scrolls initially. So I don't have a problem. I mean, they've been here for 30 years. Their mission would change. You know, we're seeing it right now in the real world. History sometimes repeats. Things come back. No, nothing stays like the, the scrolls. When introduced in the MCU in Captain Marvel, may have turned out that they were, they were good guys, but clearly a lot of time has passed. So things have changed drastically. Um, I kind of wish that more of the scrolls, I wish there had been an extra episode for this show a little bit more so that they could deal with like the end of this. But in the ensuing episodes, we got to see the the scrolls mostly as humans. Sometimes we found out their scroll names. We didn't actually get to see them as scrolls. So it was hard to feel bad for them. Like when Gravik was killing off the other scrolls and, you know, going a little. Because, I couldn't right? connect with that because they they go to this 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 hideout, this camp in this old you know, nuke factory or whatever, because they want to live in their own skins, but we don't see them as scrolls. They're just humans walking around the compound. They don't, we don't see most of them as scrolls until they die. And I couldn't connect with any of them. I mean, it, it sucks that these people volunteered to join this thing. And then most of them got wasted by Gravik himself, but <laughs> 
I didn't get to see their life as a scroll. They were just terrorists that were mounting a, you know, terror. I'm, I just, I couldn't, right. I couldn't identify with them. Yeah, I was no, I very much on the side of the scrolls and Captain Marvel, but I mean, I wouldn't have been on their side as bad guys anyways, but I didn't even, there was no chance for me to even be wishy-washy and think maybe I could sympathize because they were literally actors with faces that were treated like nameless, you know, characters. They were, they were, they were the cannon fodder. Yeah. Red shirts or background, really. Mike, what about, what about you? What's something else about the series, uh, good or bad that, uh, you want to mention here? Oh, it, it just felt rushed. It felt like there were so many plot lines started and there were some really good plot lines started, but they just went nowhere or they were wrapped up way, way too quick. And that was one of the things I didn't like about it. It was more of you had these characters, you know, that you started finding interesting. And and then and then the whole super soldier battle at the end with the super scrolls. It's like, oh, you know, let's do the modern trope in Marvel. But there's a secret formula that everybody, you know, gains powers from and everything. It's either the super soldier serum or now it's the what they called it the helix or what something like that, whatever they called it that, you know, had all the DNA of, you know, all the the characters. I thought it was stupid. The I like, you know, that the battle the harvest. The harvest. That was it. But it was just it was just dumb. You know, why you know, yeah, it, it's great to show because the Super Scroll was from old time Fantastic Four. And, you know, when he replicated their powers you know, a body part became like the thing's arm or, you know, Mr. Fantastics or the human torches. But this was just, you know, to show that it was Drax's arm. It had Drax's arm with the tattoos all over it that he did. Or, and it was just, it was weird seeing, you know, poor Amelia Clark having the abominations arms or something. It's like, well, she's getting paid a lot of money, so we got to make sure her face stays the same. And it was, it was just, it was kind of dumb. And I didn't really, you know, it was, I really wanted to like that battle because it was finally something fun and interesting happening. And it was, it was good to see it, but it was stupid the way they were doing it. And they showed the guy has, you know, that he had the scrolls have healing powers and such, you know, he, he, a guy got shot in the face and he just healed it right up. So, you know, when she used, you know, Captain Marvel's power, did it just, you know, wipe out his heart? Is that the only part that you can't regenerate or something? It was just, it was just silly. I don't know. I like that bit. Um, I, I really enjoyed like trying to guess which, whose power they were using when. And I thought it was, uh, like you said, it was the only part of really big action that we got. And I knew that once it was revealed that both of them were super scrolls, I'm like, okay, that's what it's going to do. It's going to lead up to these two characters battling it out. And so I was expecting it. And so when it came, you know, I'm not saying it was the best battle ever, but I did enjoy it. And I did think it was weird that, you know, they, they uh, kept Amelia Clark's face on her, 
but Kingsley was replaced by a scroll face. Uh, so I, I thought, I don't know if that they were just trying to, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of one-sided there, but, um, but here's what we're left with, right? We are left with Gaia now, who, as JD put it, is, was not introduced and kind of just wishy-washy for the first few episodes before she died. And you could say that she wasn't really that great of a standout in the series overall, but here she is now placed as probably one of the most powerful beings in the MCU. I mean, she's literally got everybody's power that's an, ever been an Avenger or a villain or whatever. So, like, exactly how she's used after this, et cetera, et cetera, is going to be really interesting to see. Uh, I don't know. There once a, There was a time prior to Endgame that I thought everything is planned out. Everything is, is connecting. Everything is going to connect. It's going to be planned out. And through Endgame, I was not disappointed. Since Endgame, it seems like there's nobody in charge. It just seems like everything is pretty random. I Things are brought up. Characters are revealed. And I don't feel that there's any sort of plan in place for how these folks are going to be used in the future. So, it, yeah, it's like, oh, well, we're creating the Thunderbolts. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, we're creating the Young Avengers. Really? Oh, yeah. We're, we, I mean, I don't see it. Like, right now, it doesn't seem like it seems like all of that could happen. And it seems like none of that could happen. So my question to you, and I'm going to start with you, Jenny, is what do you want to see next from the MCU? What do you want to I see next to- as far as movie, series, anything from this do you want to continue? Do you want to see Gaia back? Do you want to see like anything? Uh, or, or, I mean, you're kind of shaking your head too. You're just like, whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I am one of the people who loves the MCU. I've loved the MCU. Um, you know, I was a comic fan, still am a comic fan. I grew up, but I am one of the people who has MCU fatigue at this point. Um, hmm. I want to see Marvel take a step back we don't need as much content and they are they are starting to and that is a discussion that's coming up projects are being shelved things are being spaced out a little bit i get it it's a consumable and people have wanted to consume the mcu hardcore for a long time but they oversaturated it and i just would like to see a break because to what you're saying stuff isn't it's not meshing together it's not melding together it's not the universe that it used to be it just feels like a bunch of disjointed projects to me nowadays and i mean i would like to see amelia clark back i like her um i think there's promise in the character i think the lead-in with her was terrible the intro and everything but you have this character now um use her but wait until you have the right opportunity. Don't just throw her back in to throw her back in. Um, I'm excited about the Thunderbolts, potentially. Um, but I'm excited about the idea of the Thunderbolts. How you <laughs> execute that is going, you know, you may ruin it for me. And that's hard because that is a whole bunch of characters I love. So if they screw that up, uh, it's going to just, it's going to kill me. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of also maybe excited about Armor Wars. You know, there's been a little bit of people talking now about the roadie of it all. And, 
you know, where do we go from here? Because that now brings up you how to scroll, you know, and I don't think a lot of us paid attention, but, you know, in the last few times we've seen Rody, you know, he was better on his feet. And I think maybe we all just kind of rationalize it away with technology, et cetera, et cetera. But we now know that that's not the case. So I do, I would like to see that. I would like to see that pan out that, hey, no, this is Rody and he's still kind of messed up. And how does Rody come back from that? So yeah, break. I need a break though. All right. All right. Well, um, one, uh, one observation or backing up your point there, there's no after credit sequence in this at the end. It's like, that tells me they have no plan. Like it does, that that tells me, and what's weird is to me too, that tells me that they don't even know how this leads into the Marvels, which Nick Fury is in, which I'm just like, that's crazy why you don't use this to connect that. Um, And real quick, are you excited at all for the Marvels? I am, but. I'm all about. I'm. I, I'm I wasn't a, I'm, feeling that when you the way you said it. By the way, no. Well, I'm just. I'm a woman who totally believes in in the idea. So I loved Captain Marvel. I'm one of the people in the world who did actually like it. Me too. I was, I was one of the people who fought all the negativity towards Bree's portrayal. Um, you know. But again, I'm the kind of you know. Uh, don't tell me to smile like that. You know, I'm a true. Right. Right. Right feminist in that way um so yeah i'm excited but i'm nervous because are they going to screw the pooch again so yes i'm excited hopefully i'm not disappointed gotcha jd what about you are you excited for what's next or yeah do you do you care to uh, guess what or what you want to see well honestly i am very content to let the MCU show me what they have planned. I agree. There's been a lot of disconnect. I'm not too bothered by that, though. I don't believe that everything does need to be connected. I do like when characters come back later. It'll be very interesting to watch Captain America New World Order because all the characters from The Incredible Hulk are going to be there. I feel like Sam Wilson and uh, who's the kid that's playing uh, Falcon in it? The kid that Forrest. was in Walking yeah. Forest. I feel like they're going to be sitting there saying, "Who are these people? Um, they're these are not these are not our villains. We don't have any of Cap's villains." But I don't. I'm very content to let them show me what they're going to show me. I'm not going to predict anything. I'm not worried about it. Okay. I love. Love the Captain Marvel movie. It's in my top five of the MCU. I've seen it many, many, many times. I will watch it many, many more times. Any character connected to that movie that show that that shows up later and stuff, Gaia. I was excited when Talos's daughter as a scroll showed up at the end of WandaVision. I'm very excited about Monica Rambeau. Um and the Marvels. I'm so excited about the Marvels. I sent Mike in, uh, a message the other day to ask, is it too early to ask for the guest spot for <laughs> the Marvels episode of ESO? I adore that movie. 
I can't wait for the marbles. So now I, he's been on this episode. He lost that chance, so it's okay. <laughs> damn it. Um, but I'm not. I'm not hung up on what they're going to do or not. I don't have Marvel fatigue, but that's because honestly, I'm just along for the ride. I'd like to enjoy. It's very hard for them to disappoint me. They can. They have Iron Man three. I'm curious what they're going to do with the cosmic stuff after this, after the Marvels, because I didn't know what Guardians of the Galaxy was until they first announced, or until they announced the first movie would be out in 2014. But now the Guardians 3 is in the rearview mirror. It's like, how much of that are we going to get to see again? We might see that after, I mean, we'll talk about all about that after the Marvels comes out, because obviously that's the next step there. But, but I'm I'm honestly I'm very content to let awesome. Marvel show me what they're going to show me, and I'll be delighted and I'll be annoyed by some stuff. But <laughs> honestly, overall, I'll be a satisfied customer, awesome. just like I really kind of have been all along. So, awesome. Mike, what about you? What uh, what do you what do you feel? How do you feel about uh, the MCU, the future of the MCU, particularly anything that comes out of this? And uh, what about the Marvels? Because that's that's next for us, right? For the first time ever, I'm actually worried about the MCU. And I think they spread themselves too thin. I think they put themselves out there putting by putting stuff out on TV and rushing it out there. And I feel like the last two phases of the MCU, they don't have any idea what they're doing. It feels like, <laughs> it feels like, let's just put this character out there. Let's put this character. Oh, we want to bring out She-Hulk. We want to bring out Moon Knight. We want to bring out Shang-Chi. We want to bring out the Eternals, you know, and most of those movies, I went in with really open mind and same thing with the TV shows and I enjoyed them. I didn't hate them. This is the first project I'm actually starting to get worried so much so i watched the trailer for loki today and it looks great and everything but with the record that marvel has right now i'm worried i really am i'm worried about the marvels i'm worried about thunderbolts i'm pretty much you know going forward no what about daredevil what do you think well i'll how they do them and everything it'll be real interesting to see what they do and that's the thing. I love the characters. I loved what they did with Daredevil. I even liked what they did with Daredevil and She-Hulk. I thought that was fun. Matt Murdock did the walk of shame. Of course he did. But the thing is with it, in all truth, this is the first time I'm not so sure that Marvel is as in good hands as I thought they were. That maybe... They need to have some helping hands or maybe it's time to reassess things and see where they go. And you know what? Yeah. Marvel's looks great. Marvel's looks awesome, but it's not it. It's not, you know, this is not going to be the saving grace because man, if that's the saving grace for Marvel, Marvel's in a lot more trouble than we thought. So. (laughs) 
Regarding Secret Invasion and the future of the MCU, I will say that uh, I, well, Mike, you sound a lot like Bob Iger. So I guess uh, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but you sound almost like word for word exactly what he was saying about the MCU. So uh, your concerns are being noted at the highest level at Disney. Um, look, in my mind, I will I will say this. In my mind, if Secret Invasion is the worst thing that's ever happened in the MCU, then they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. I mean, I think there's so much things that I like. Uh, I went, I watched all those seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Secret Invasion, I would put above Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. any day of the week. And I know that might cause some controversy out there. Like I said, I already feel like Secret Invasion was better than the comic that it was based on. So do I think Secret Invasion is the worst thing ever that Marvel's produced? Um, you know, I'll have to think about it. But I, I, I would say if it is, then, you know, I think the MCU is fine. Now, if they continue at this level with as much dissatisfaction, dis- dissatisfaction as I'm hearing out there, then obviously there's a problem. Do I think that the Marvels is going to, quote unquote, save the MCU? Man, I don't want to put that on that movie because that looks like a lot of fun. All the trailers that I see for the Marvels looks like it's going to be a blast. So I am very excited to see that movie and and where they go from there. And I and I do hope I am getting, you know, like I said, I am frustrated that they don't seem to be showing continuity and and a connectivity that I that I was experiencing prior to Endgame. Um, and I I'm, I was willing to give them a lot of leeway, but here we are like years later now, and it just feels like things are even looser than they were back then. So obviously I've got concerns, but if it has the MCU, the Marvel, the Marvel Studios logo, logo on it, I'm still there. I'm still watching it first weekend. If it's a movie, first day or so, if it's a Disney Plus show, whatever. They have not lost me as a fan. Um, and I hope things get better. So uh, there's a lot of things that I'm looking forward to. So, and of course, you know, we make it a point to cover all of that stuff here on Earth Station One. So as it comes out, you will hear from us uh, regarding how we feel about it. So um, I think that said, uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to close out the show. There's a man who a life of danger To everyone he meets He stays a stranger With every move he makes Another chance he takes Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow Secret agent man Secret agent man Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We have all officially survived um, the great Barbenheimer of 2023. That whole movement with just the promotion of both movies and how well they both did at the box office was just a ton of fun. And I hope to see that type of public support for film and going to theaters continue to happen. Unfortunately, we know that theaters are probably going to force this or try to keep like making it happen again and it won't be natural or as fun. But just a shout out to everybody who went to see both these movies and discussed them. Um, I just think it was great for film. So good job, us. 
I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot of movement at the box office for the rest of the summer. I hope that I'm wrong, but I kind of have a feeling that um, Barbie and Oppenheimer was kind of the peak, and then we're just going to kind of peter out towards the end here. Um, I'm personally looking forward to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the animated movie, which I didn't necessarily think I would. I don't really have a familiarity with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fandom, aside from maybe just catching a couple minutes of the cartoon as a kid. But I think the animation style looks really cool. It looks somewhat similar in that they're kind of pushing the boundaries of what we think of modern day animation, kind of similar to the Spider-Verse film. So I'm interested in it from that standpoint of just seeing what they do with it artistically. And for me, it's always fun to just get out to the movie theater and see some things. We still have Blue Beetle coming up. I think it looks fun. I'm a little worried with some of the problems that the DC Cinematic Universe has had with other releases. If people are going to be just like, uh, I'm going to pass on this and then just wait to see what James Gunn has in store for us. So tough to say at this point, but I'm planning on checking it out. That's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blogs over on the ESO Podcast website. Clank! 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 We got some beer today. Yeah, beer. Big boys. But our podcast isn't about the booze. It's not just about It's not just things. about drinking and oh. clinking things. Oh, you're right. It is about, like, nerdy things Nerd and comic stuff. books and video games and movies. and Nerd stuff. Yeah. If you like anything nerdy, grab a drink and be nerdy with us. Join us. On, but first, let's talk nerdy. <laughs> Welcome to Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about planning your convention trip. So summer cons are in full swing, and we're about a month away from Dragon Con. So while I have talked about this before on here, it's always good to talk about preparing for your convention for those that need a refresher or for those that are new here. Conventions can be some of the best times, but they're also large and overwhelming and can make you forget about stuff like eating, drinking water, or even just sitting down and taking a breather. But knowing all this beforehand and having snacks that you can put in your bag or bringing a reusable water bottle with you so you don't have to try and find an overly priced water bottle can really help you try to, you know, make sure you have a great convention and don't have the con plague after the con since pushing your immune system to the edge over the weekend means you're not going to have such a great week afterwards. When packing for a con, I make checklists for my costumes, items that I want to take to get signed, and also even a small list of what panels I want to go to at the con, just so I have an idea of what I want to do with my time, and can at least have a plan of where to be, and not get completely overwhelmed once I'm there. Since with all this stuff to do, and not sure what to do, sometimes it means you just sit there and do nothing because you can't decide what to do or make a decision. I also make a small list of essentials I'll need to be a functioning human being. I generally put a water bottle, small snacks like fruit snacks or trail mix, and I also keep some water additives and vitamins and electrolytes in my bag since they come in very small containers and you can get powder or liquid in them, and really that's your preference, but they can fit in really any of my bags, and then you just put that in your water and you're good to go. Also, if the con has an app with their schedule on it, Download that before the con, because trying to download apps at con can be challenging due to so many people using their phones in one place. 
Also, if your ticket is digital and allows you to take a screenshot or download it, do that before the convention. Don't do it once you get there. I remember using Ticketmaster for the Taylor Swift concert that does not allow you to screenshot or download your ticket. And it did not want to load. So there were like 70,000 people trying to load their tickets at the same time and no one's was wanting to load so you could get in the door to watch the concert because it was just such a strain on the network. And that happens at large conventions like Dragon Con and other ones that have just thousands and thousands of people. Overall, the goal of a convention is to have fun. So having a little bit of thought before you get there can really help ensure that you have the best time at the convention that you're going to. And you don't have to stick to what you decide you want to do before the con, because being spontaneous at conventions is fun as well, but it at least gives you an idea so you're not just sitting in your hotel room trying to be like, well, what are we going to do? Because some people do that. I have done that. And you want to go out and have fun and see people and meet people and go to panels, because that's why you're there. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Thank you, of course. Jenny, we do appreciate you. It was so good to be back. Thank you so much. Oh, anytime, anytime. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, You know what? The only thing I want to shout out right now is uh, all the independent studios out there who are working alongside SAG-AFTRA and accepting their conditions to work and putting people back to work. I think it's amazing um, to see the people without the money stepping up and taking care of people in the industry. So that's all I got. That's Mm. awesome. That is awesome. And JD, we've let you out of the airlock, my friend. I really appreciate being on the show. I always do. I really appreciate the invitation. Um, I don't know a lot about the ins and outs of Hollywood, but I am standing with the people who are striking because I don't have to understand it to know that they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have a good cause. And I will be curious to see if the executives are going to continue to let this drag on until they until they they start seeing hits in the bank account of the studios or are they gonna start to capitulate just to start putting content out there again because i don't if they let it keep going it's not gonna work out like things are gonna start to collapse like the industry probably does need to be you know whatever um there probably is a lot of corruption and maybe this could undo some of that but 
or it could go the opposite way. And studios just might start collapsing and some of these movies we're looking forward to just might disappear into the ether. And I really don't want to see that happen. So, mm. um, some of the Marvel I, projects that we've heard about when DC projects might just disappear because of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then honestly, it would suck, especially mm-hmm. for the people working on these things. It's an interesting crossroads that the entertainment industry is standing at right now. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. It'll be very interesting to see where things go and what happens with it. But we'll be here to report on it as it does, of course. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, more of a tribute, and I think um, you're probably going to piggyback off this because we lost a couple of uh, amazing talents uh, over the last few days, and uh, the one I need to really uh, shout out about because um, her work touched me quite a bit with Shane O'Connor. Um, uh, her first album, Lion and the Cobra, and in her second album, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got, um, I can't, I can't even fathom how many times I played those, those records. And, uh, I was first attracted to her voice first and foremost. And, and man, it was so incredible. Um, her music was so amazing. She wrote a lot of the material herself. Um, she was a very unique voice. And yes, she, uh, got into some trouble. Uh, that voice of hers got her into some trouble on multiple occasions. Um, I feel like a lot of times she was mistreated, uh, by, uh, so many people and, uh, it was unfortunate, um, what happened with her career as well as, uh, ultimately what happened with her. So she experienced a lot of tragedy in her life and, um, something that nobody, nobody deserves. Uh, but, uh, (laughs) those first couple of albums and, I must admit, the last few albums that she did, I had no clue that she had released anything. So I've been digging through those and I've been finding some real gems there, too. So she was still making great music. It's a big regret of mine that I was never able to see her perform in person. The day she passed, I watched there was a documentary made by Sinead O'Connor called Nothing Compares, and it's on available on Paramount+. Plus. Watch that. It is an amazing documentary. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was a very unique voice, uh, very, very unique talent. And, uh, I was sorry that, uh, to see her, to see her go. No, totally understand. I agree with that. Um, a true talent was lost with her and she literally died. It seems like of a broken heart from the loss of her son. And so it's pretty sad what happened. And, you know, she will, you know, go down as one of the greats, truthfully. One of the warped greats, but she was great in all the ways that, you know, you had. And she touched so many people. And that goes out also today. We found out that Paul Rubens passed away. And, you know, many people, you know, know him more as Pee Wee Herman, but he's done so many different projects and everything. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Uh, from folks I know who knew him and always said he was one of the most gracious people you've ever met. And to, you know, being out there to entertain and make fun of himself and, you know, just, you know, Pee Wee, he did so, so much. But for me, one of the first things I remember seeing him in 
was as a waiter in the Blues Brothers movie. And then also in the Cheech, he was a, in Cheech and Chong. And yeah, the first time I ever saw him was in Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then I also remember him as the hard to kill vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. God, he was so, hilarious. He was awesome. And, you know, it was just so neat to see him in these different roles and to, you know, see what he expanded on. That's just touching the iceberg. There's so many other projects that he did and it was just, it was, he was just a figure and, you know, you would think someone like him would last forever and everything, but cancer got in the way once again. And and basically, you know, had, you know, you know, he had a private battle with it. He didn't publicize it or anything like that. And, you know, sadly enough, he passed at 70. So. Um, I kind of want to watch Mystery Men again. I've been oh, sort of so chewing on seeing that. that again for the last couple of months, but I'm like, oh, this really seals it. I need to watch that again. It's been a decade since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Now I agree with that. And it's such an underrated movie and it's so much fun. It is so, so much fun. And he plays such a great character in that movie too. It's such an amazing cast. In a movie that I think has fallen into obscure, not that it was ever huge or mainstream, but I feel like it's really fallen into obscurity, and that sucks on many levels for many reasons. Anytime I see anyone with a bowling ball with a skull inside of it, it's, you know, it is awesome. So, awesome, folks. Well, that's going to wrap up the episode. Thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you folks. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our Tee Public store and get some really cool ESO Network swag. Also, remember, if you want to listen to our show before the rest of the world, why not join up for the ESO Network Patreon? For as little as a dollar a month, you could help support us here at Earth Station One. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO Network. We want to hear from you. Please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. You know, feedback is the best way for us to know if you're listening and, you know, what you guys thought. Did you guys like Secret Invasion? Please tell us where we were messed up. Tell us what we, you know, missed. Because, you know, we definitely... Tell us where you're hiding. Exactly. Because I want to find out the people that actually did like it and shake their hands. Because, you know, good on them. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One, of course, is in video format up on YouTube. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yep, we are not too proud, folks. We want you to watch us. So like and subscribe, like and subscribe, and click on the bell. That way you'll know when we come out. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ms. Jenny Green, and, of course, J.D., who is headed back to the airlock. Here I go. For listening to the Earth Station One podcast, well, we will turn on the oxygen this time, I promise. <sighs> Thankfully, I think you forgot a little bit last time. I'm just saying. We were tight on money. We lost two returns. You know, what can we say? It's a little rough there for a bit. Um, Thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. We'll see you here next time. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. And you know what? Peace. Bye, guys. 
You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.